Long history, random UK Prime Minister of the Week, the 34th Prime Minister, Henry Cumble Bannerman, the first Prime Minister, we'll explain in what way in this episode, and the only Prime Minister to die in Downing Street. Prime Minister from December 1905 to April 1908. Hello everyone, here we are with Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. This is the series where we pick a random UK Prime Minister and give a bit of an overview. We ask a few questions, such as what was this person like? We give an overview of the period. We'll look at how the person got into power, what their major achievements were in power and how they lost the job. Then finally, we'll ask what were their main achievements? Now before we begin, don't forget that there's lots to explore on long history. We've covered documents about the early United States, about the early colonisation of the Philippines and many others, so feel free to explore. And don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the release of future episodes of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. So here we go with the 34th Prime Minister, Henry Campbell Bannerman, Prime Minister from December 1905 to April 1908. Henry Campbell Bannerman is actually one of the least known of the 20th century's Prime Ministers. It's a good name to remember if you ever need the name of an obscure 20th century Prime Minister. And despite this, he had a number of achievements, not least by introducing state pensions and free school meals for all children for the first time. It can be argued that this man was actually the very first Prime Minister, but it's only due to a technicality. He was the first person to be called that particular title, over and above First Lord of the Treasury, which is the traditional title for the Prime Minister. And that other fact that started the episode... He's the only Prime Minister to have died in Downing Street, and that's in 10 Downing Street. That's the traditional address of all the Prime Ministers of the country. And although he died there, he didn't actually die whilst he was Prime Minister. He'd already resigned from the job due to ill health, and died 19 days later, presumably without having had time to move out. Henry Campbell Bannerman was only Prime Minister for two years, 121 days, so it was neither a memorably long tenure nor a memorably short one, actually. However, one significant aspect of his tenure was that it was the beginning of an 11-year stint of the Liberal Party being in government, which was also the last time for over a century that the Liberals would be in government. The two successors to Henry Campbell Bannerman were Herbert Asquith and David Lloyd George. Both of these men, but particularly David Lloyd George, being much more well-known. So we can say, therefore, that despite his lack of fame, Henry Campbell Bannerman did initiate work that would be taken up by his successors, helping to define the direction of the country into the 20th century. The first question that we always ask is, what was Henry Campbell Bannerman like? According to one biographical fragment, Campbell Bannerman was a very principled and brave man, as well as gentle, but hardy and good-humoured. He seems to have been well-liked, and I haven't really found anything to contradict that. It is also noticeable that he left the job of Prime Minister due to ill health, which could have coloured people's opinions of him, or the opinions that have passed down. We've said that he was Prime Minister between December 1905 and April 1908 and anyone with a bit of knowledge of UK history will know that that's actually the Edwardian era. 
King Edward VII had become king in 1901 after the death of Queen Victoria, but this term Edwardian does hit above its weight in historic terms. The term Edwardian is one that often seems to crop up, but in fact the Edwardian period only strictly lasted for nine years. That's compared to over 50 years for the Victorian era, for example. And I think one reason why the term does hit above its weight is because it does mark a very specific period right at the turn of the 20th century when Victoria died, more or less up to the First World War. And often, although King Edward VII died in 1910, people do refer to the Edwardian period as ending in 1914. So I guess you could say that the Edwardian period is that relatively prosperous gap between the Victorian era and the First World War, the latter event of course changing everything. So Henry Campbell Bannerman's premiership was entirely in that Edwardian era, and as such, by definition, he was an archetypal Edwardian Prime Minister. The only other entirely Edwardian Prime Minister in the meantime was his predecessor, Arthur Balfour, who was, interestingly, a fellow Scot. So before we get into more details about Henry Campbell Bannerman, we'll just have a little bit of a flavour of the age and see what was in the news at the time. Campbell Bannerman's premiership began in 1905, that was only three years after the Second Boer War ended in South Africa. That war took place between October 1899 and 1902, and I'm not sure about the terminology exactly, but it was when the people with a Dutch background in the southern African colonies fought the growing influence of the British Empire in the area. Another big issue at the time was Irish Home Rule which involved the long-standing movement for self-government of the island of Ireland. And there was also another movement which had lingered around for a long time with no satisfactory resolution, which was the aim to give votes for women. So all three of these issues peaked around, but not during Campbell Bannerman's time in office. Having said that, it does seem that Campbell Bannerman was on the right side of history for all three of those issues. Campbell Bannerman had been against the Boer War, saying that it was avoidable, and he particularly deplored the concentration camps that were set up during the time. He supported Irish Home Rule. And indeed, as a Scot, he supported more independence for all of the UK's constituent countries. Apparently, he also favoured votes for women, and although he did not make progress on these issues during his time in office, apparently it can also be said that he didn't stand in their way. I suppose that's a nice way of saying that the issue was kicked down the road. But what was life actually like in the United Kingdom? So we did find a statistic saying that in 1908, the average wage was £70 per year. And even when you scale it up to today's UK pound, it doesn't sound like much. It was about £10,890 or US dollars The population of the UK in 1905 was 42,980,800 people. Now that's about two-thirds of the size of today's population, although the figures at that point still included the whole island of Ireland. And I think there's one standout thing about this era, really, and it's that word Edwardian again. Because when we look at depictions of the English class system, and I'm not quite sure they were the same in Scotland and Wales and Ireland, I'm not sure about that, but certainly when we think of a stereotypical class system and those archetypes of upper, middle and working classes, they do all seem to stem from this particular era. 
Although in the UK the Industrial Revolution is primarily seen as a Victorian phenomenon, it was still well underway during the Edwardian era. However, a country which had in many ways triumphed during the Age of Steam was beginning to lag behind in the Age of Electricity. From a leader, the country was becoming a follower, particularly as other European countries caught up with their industrial revolutions and the US surged ahead. Of course, much of that would come crashing down when countries entered the First World War, but that was still a few years away, less than a decade, however. One important point to note about UK politics at the time is that although today the two main political parties are the Labour Party and the Conservative Party in the UK, in those days it was the Conservatives and the Liberals. However, this was the era when the Labour Party was waiting in the wings. In the 1900 elections, they won only two seats, but in the 1906 election, the Labour Representation Committee, as it was then known, won 29 seats. And this was partly because of a pact between the Liberals and Labour. The large East Yorkshire town of Hull at the time was undergoing something of a population boom, with the port and the fishing town's population increasing by almost 20%, from around 237,000 to 282,000, and that's just in the Edwardian era. So it was a relatively prosperous time. During Campbell Bannerman's time as Prime Minister, Oklahoma became the 46th state to enter the United States of America. And one of the most famous of US presidents, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt, was in office. And again, his tenure was wholly within that brief but defining Edwardian era. Henry Campbell Bannerman was the fourth of seven prime ministers to be born in Scotland. And as we said, he came after Arthur Balfour, who was the third. This Edwardian era, therefore, was dominated by Scots. Campbell Bannerman, however, was the first and so far the only one of those Scottish Prime Ministers to have been born in Glasgow. Campbell Bannerman was born with the name Campbell in Glasgow in 1836. So he was already 69 years old and the oldest person ever to take up the post when he became Prime Minister. He went to school at the High School of Glasgow and then went on to both Glasgow University, one of three Prime Ministers to attend that institution, and then on to Cambridge University, and he was one of 14 Prime Ministers to enter that university. Campbell's surname changed to Campbell Bannerman when his maternal uncle, Henry Bannerman, died. He stipulated in a will in 1871 that Henry could inherit his estate only if he incorporated his mother's maiden name into his own name. So Campbell became Campbell Bannerman. He and his wife both disliked the new name, and so he was generally known as C.B. Campbell Bannerman's wife was Sarah Charlotte Bruce. The couple were both Europhiles, with Campbell Bannerman speaking Italian, French and German, and they generally spent each summer on the continent, particularly in France. He and his wife apparently both liked their food and were distinctly overweight. The couple had no children. After one failed attempt in a previous election, Campbell Bannerman was elected MP for Stirling Burrs in November 1868. He would be an MP there for nearly 40 years. Before he became Prime Minister himself, he would serve as Secretary of State for War under two Liberal Party Prime Ministers, William Gladstone and Archibald Primrose, the Earl of Rosebery. 
In 1899, he would himself become leader of the Liberal Party, who were then in opposition. He would fight and lose the 1900 election as leader of the opposition. So that's the background, but how did Henry Campbell Bannerman become Prime Minister? Well, the Conservative Party had begun their latest stint at power in 1895. However, in 1902, Robert Gascoigne Cecil, the Marquess of Salisbury, who had been triumphant at the 1895 and 1900 general elections, resigned due to ill health. And that's when Arthur Balfour, his nephew, took his place. But he had never actually won a general election himself. It being a strange glitch in the UK system that voters vote for a party but not a prime minister. That means that parties can change the prime minister without there being a general election. However, when there hasn't been an election, there is a certain lack of legitimacy in a prime minister's place. And at that time, the Conservative Party was split, particularly over the issue of free trade. Campbell Bannerman and his Liberal Party, on the other hand, were not split on that issue. They strongly supported free trade. In a relatively weak position, after some defeats in recent by-elections and in the House of Commons, Balfour resigned in the hope that when the King invited Campbell Bannerman to form a government in his place, Campbell Bannerman would fail to put together a stable enough alternative to the Conservative Party. And Arthur Balfour was hoping that that would, in turn, strengthen his own position. However, the gambit failed, particularly because Campbell Bannerman proved adept at dealing with the strong personalities in his own party, offering them acceptable enough roles in his government to keep their support and to form a government. So Campbell Bannerman was able to form a government and took charge. However, at that point he also hadn't won a general election, so one was quickly called, which the Liberal Party then won, with a landslide further strengthening his position. So, with Campbell Bannerman now in charge, what were his main achievements in office? Well, from the research I've been able to do, he's been called a modest social reformer. Although he was leader of the Liberal Party, he was nevertheless conservative with a small c, meaning that despite having a majority in government, and although he would try to improve the situation of the poor, he was nevertheless unwilling to loosen the purse strings enough to do anything too drastic. His government helped to develop free school meal provision and old age pensions, and he bolstered the power of trade unions. These were all things that his successors would take up and push forward. He gave the two Boer states in South Africa self-government, which would eventually, in 1910, lead to the Union of South Africa. As we said, he grappled with the issue of women's votes and home rule for the Irish. Whilst not pushing them forward, he also didn't pull them back. So, in short, although there were no single headline changes, and perhaps his most significant achievement was simply in being the first of three Liberal Prime Ministers who would, together, in many ways, set the tone for the rest of the 20th century. We've already said that Campbell Bannerman only had a short time in office, but what led to the end of his premiership? Well, words such as undistinguished, passive and uninvolved have been used to describe Campbell Bannerman's government. But, if such pejorative terms are true, there is at least in this case one significant reason for Campbell Bannerman's lacklustre performance in office. His wife, Charlotte, had been suffering with ill health during her later years. Campbell Bannerman took great care of her during those times of ill health, but she died during the first year of his premiership, 
in August 1906. Now, as we've said, Campbell Bannerman himself wasn't young at that time, and his wife's death exacerbated his own ill health. And although wisdom might have come with age, these trying circumstances meant that when his own poor health was exacerbated by his reaction to the loss of his wife, he suffered a series of increasingly harmful heart attacks, which would eventually lead him to resign from office as Prime Minister just before he would die in 10 Downing Street. So I'm afraid that's quite a definitive ending for Henry Campbell Bannerman, the fourth Scottish Prime Minister, and one of only two true Edwardian Prime Ministers. And as we wind this episode up, how should we remember Henry Campbell Bannerman? He set off events that would lead to pensions, free school meals and strengthened rights for unions. And although his tenure was hampered and cut short by personal circumstances, his successors would continue his work. As we've said, although not much progress was made, he does seem to have been on the right side of history regarding the Boer Wars, home rule for the Irish and votes for women. And at least as far as the brief investigations into his life for this episode of Long History, he seems to have been a good man who worked to improve the lives of people. It often seems to be overlooked as an important characteristic in Prime Ministers. So that's it, another brief introduction to one of the UK's Prime Ministers. Please, as always, forgive me for any mistakes that have been made. There are so many small details here and this is such a general history that despite all the best efforts, I can't have got every single detail right here. So please forgive me and please do see this as just a starting point to prompt more research if you're interested. Thank you for listening to Long Histories, Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, the 34th Prime Minister, Henry Campbell Bannerman. Goodbye.